coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. And I think that's the problem that people have is like, I hate the way I look. I want to look like that. So I'm going to beat myself up until I look that way. And once I look that way, then all my problems will go away. And that's a big myth. Just like people chasing after money. Once I have this much money, then all my problems will go away. And it's a very similar thing where if you haven't learned how to be fulfilled and happy with where you're at now, even if you get the body, there might be a temporary sense of happiness or fulfillment, but I promise you it's not going to last. And so you have to eventually do the work, which is really hard work to let go of that, uh, those emotional challenges, whatever they are for you to learn how to be happy and fulfilled now, even though your body's not perfect, your life isn't perfect. You don't have the money you want, because if you can do that now, then along the journey of trying to get those things, you're not beating yourself up or, you know, saying you're a failure because you didn't get those things um, because you're fulfilled with where you're at now. And you're just continuing to work on a better version of yourself. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed health and fitness expert, Drew Manning. He's a New York Times bestseller author of Fit to Fat to Fit, and has for years been the leading voice in the keto diet movement. We discussed the following topics, Drew's fit to fat to fit journey, his typical eating, fasting, and workout routine, his strategy of going back to fit from gaining 62 pounds. We also discussed his morning ritual, the mental emotional side of gaining and losing weight, and his one tip to get your body back to what it once was. This was a great interview with Drew, lots of great tips, and I know you'll enjoy it. So thanks so much for listening and enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. Brian Grin here with Drew Manning. Welcome to the show. Brian, thanks for having me. How are you? Doing great. I'm wondering if I can call you by your name and not call you, (laughs) you know, fit to fat to fit is like uh, your motto, right? That's what most people know me as. No one really knows my name, Drew, so I'm used to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll call you Drew if that's okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm excited to have you on. We got a lot we're going to talk about. Um, before we get into that, if people don't know who you are, maybe just give a little background um, regarding you know how you got into health and, and your whole journey. Yeah, so most people know me from my first Fit to Fit to Fit experiment back in 2011, where you know here I was a personal trainer, someone who grew up their entire life entire life in shape, uh, never been overweight a day in my life you know, turned personal trainer, trying to help people who had been overweight the majority of their life. Mm-hmm. And there was an obvious disconnect. And so I couldn't understand why it was so hard for my clients just to eat healthy and exercise and be consistent. And I'm like, it's so easy. It's not that hard, you guys. But they would struggle to stay consistent and do the workouts and follow the meal plans that I gave them. And um, one of them said to me, uh, you know, when I was frustrated with him, he's like, you know, Drew, you don't understand how hard it is, uh, because for you, you've always been in shape and for you, it's easy, but for me and for people like me, it's really difficult. And I was like, okay, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe there's something I need to learn. So I started to think of ideas and boom, this idea popped up. Like, what if you got fat on purpose and documented the whole thing? And so I kind of ran with that idea. It kind of felt like a a good idea in my mind. And so in 2011, I, I created my own Facebook page, YouTube channel, website all by myself or with the help of my wife at the time. And so we, we started all on this journey. So six months, I let myself go, no exercise, ate a standard American diet, put on 75 pounds of pure fat in those six months. 
And then the next six months, I had to walk the walk and, and put my money where my mouth is and show people how to lose the weight. But for me, it was the first time in my life having to, you know, one, be, be overweight, which was very humbling. It taught me a lot of lessons. And then two, lose that much weight um, in, in that amount of time. I've never experienced that before, but it taught, it taught me so much empathy for those that struggle. Whereas before, I was probably more judgmental towards my clients. I couldn't understand why it was so hard for them you know, just to eat healthy and exercise. And then here I was after six months of eating that way, struggling to, you know, my body almost fought back against me wanting the high that it had had from those processed foods the past six months. And so it clicked for me, man, it's way more mental and emotional than people think. And that's kind of when I started to change. That's when I started to change my approach. Instead of focusing just on the physical side of weight loss, it's, uh, there's more of a focus on the mental and emotional and I think that's what people are missing. And so ever since I did that first experiment, you know, I ended up writing a book, which became a New York Times bestseller. And then the book got turned into a TV show uh, on A&E where we had two seasons of fit to fat to fit, where we put other trainers through the same process mm. to see if they were more empathetic. And they definitely were. They were very humbled and it was a good show. Um, yeah, I've, since then, I've, fo I've uh, totally shifted my focus more so helping people on the, on the mental emotional side of transformation rather than just calories and macros and weight loss and supplements and getting shredded. And so that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> Sorry for the long intro. No, no, that was good. And uh, quite the journey. What I was just thinking off the top of my, did, did, did you have any people who told you when you were going to start doing it, like specifically like your wife, was she like, oh, maybe, you know, not the best idea to do something like that? Um <laughs> Were there people who were like, told you not to do it? The only one that was against it was my mom because she was worried for my health, you know, right. which is what a mom does. But my wife at the time was like, no, because I was more of the health nut. And so I didn't really have junk food in the house. And so she's like, and she was pregnant too. So she's like, you're going to, you're telling me there's going to be junk food in the house. And she, <laughs> I think she had some cravings from pregnant, from being pregnant too. Right. So she was for it, you know, cause she could tell it was more judgmental and more strict than I probably needed to be. Yeah. And I guess off, what, what was more difficult, like just coming from myself, I've been a trainer for a long time and into health and wellness and taking care of my body and probably in the same boat as you in the sense that I've never really been um, like overweight per se. I've gone through some fluctuations and body transformations here and there, but nothing like, you know, you'll see perhaps from certain clients. Yeah. What was, what was, was it, you know, what was more difficult, I guess, putting on the weight or taking it off? Uh, they were both difficult, but for different reasons, putting on the weight was difficult because my identity was based on my body image. So in my mind, I was drew the fit guy. And so as I became overweight slowly during that process, um, I kind of freaked out to be told, you know, I hadn't, I had an oh, yeah. identity crisis to be honest with you, because I was like, who am I? Like, and so I wanted to go up to strangers and explain to them that I wasn't really overweight, that this was just an experiment. I wanted to show them my before picture and say, hey, this is this is the real me. This is this isn't the real me that you're seeing right now, because I was so self-conscious and so obsessed about my body image. Um, and so gaining the weight was really hard mentally. Obviously, you know, you know, eating a ton of food, the food tastes good, but then you feel awful. You know, you right. get these spikes in blood sugar levels, and then the crash. And then after that crash, your body wants the spike again and wants the high that it gets from those foods, and then it creates this vicious cycle where you become dependent. And that's why it's so hard to break it. It's not as just as simple as willpowering your way to eating healthy food. It's like your body has been, has been trained and programmed for these dopamine hits multiple times throughout the day, eating whatever you want. And the food we have here in America is so hyper palatable 
it's so easy to overconsume a lot of these processed foods. And man, it was, <laughs> it was fun, but also so hard. It was very hellish. Um, the, the, the cycle that it created. I could have, I can imagine too, just because like, just from, for myself, like if I was going to do something like that, you know, I think you just put so much time into, you know, your body eating, right. You know, when should I eat meal timing, you know, your macros, this and that, and to go the complete opposite way, just had it been a, like for, for me, I, I, I would think it'd be very difficult to do. Um, it was very difficult. That's the thing. So it was different and it was, it was hard in a, a more of a mental, um, from a mental perspective and emotional too, because it messes with your hormones. Like you, when your hormones shift, you're not sleeping as well throughout the night, you're grumpier, you're moodier, your testosterone drops. So your libido is low. You're more emotional. You're crying during commercials. Your, you know, food is like your <laughs> food is like yeah, the thing outlet. that makes you feel awful. It's the thing that makes you feel awful, but also makes you feel good. Like it does both of those things. Right. The journey back to fit was hard in the sense that I've, I kind of compared to, you know, my whole life, I've been on top of this mountain of fitness, like, like a lot of the, you know, like you and, and people who have always been like in shape and the clients are down here at the bottom, like they've never been at the top. And so for me, for the first time I came down off that mountain and started from the bottom, bottom and then that hike up was way harder than I imagined it would be. And, you know, I fell down a couple of times and got back up and kept going, but yeah, that journey back to fit that first time in 2011 was 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 way harder than I thought it would be because the emotional connection to food is more powerful than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then it clicked for me, man, this is why my clients have uh, uh, trouble sticking with a meal plan because I'm expecting them, they've lived this way for decades. They've eaten this junk food. And now I'm saying, okay, we're going to eat chicken and broccoli and you know vegetables and do an exercise. It's such a huge extreme for them, you know, because they've, right they don't know what it feels like to be at the top. They don't know what it feels like yet. So they climb up the first few steps and fall back down multiple times in their life. Um, and so for me, I have a lot more empathy for those that struggle with body image and, and uh, you know, transformation because it's not as simple as people think. Yeah. And going and getting back into shape. I mean, I think maybe the one advantage that you would have is the fact that you were there, you've done it. You sort of know what it takes to get there, which would obviously help you in that journey back to, to fit, but I'm sure, um, were you counting down the days to start getting back into fit? Like, okay, <laughs> I'm done with going, you know, fast food. I needed to, I yeah, think yes I would, and no, yes know. and no. Yes. Because yeah, I wanted, I went from one extreme health, super healthy to right. super unhealthy. And I wanted to get back to my norm, which was super healthy, but there, towards the end, I was nervous because I was like, man, I see why people get comfortable here because you're living a life of, of comfortability. Like everything is convenient. Right. You can eat whenever you want to, whatever you want. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to move any muscles. Like you don't have to feel the soreness, the burn. You don't have to feel hunger ever. And it's, it's kind of a life of comfort. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and it's hard. You're like, man, okay, now I have to be disciplined. And that's, what's really hard is like, even for me, I'm like, man, this is going to be a little bit scary but, you know, for me, obviously, I want to feel healthy more than I want, you know, Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Mountain Dew. <laughs> was that your was that your favorite? I, I was going to ask you anyways, what your favorite? Yeah, those were some of my favorite foods. I mean, I ate a ton of stuff like Top Ramen, Hot Pockets, Mac and Cheese, um, you know, chips, cookies, crackers, Doritos, um, 
you know, lots of sugary cereal because that's what we grew up with here in America. I would, I would imagine you'd have to try really hard. I'm just thinking because like even for myself, you know, we have cheap foods. You know, I have cheap yeah. foods and you, you do that sometimes. And I mean, I used to, I'm back in the day, I used to eat cereal. I remember I loved cereal. That was like a big <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. But I feel like you almost being that you were fit, you probably had to go even more extreme to lose that weight. You know, like just because, you know, you, you were metabolically flexible at one time and you could handle carbs. Yes. And so you probably had to put, a, put it into extra gear to put on <laughs> that weight, I'm assuming. Yeah, I went, I would probably ate close to, I mean, I'm doing it again a second time, you know, as, as we'll probably get into, right. but this time around, I didn't measure my calories back then, but I was eating 6,000 plus calories a day, you know, closer to 7,000 some days, just because like it, the calories add up. It wasn't like I was stuffing my face every single meal, but I would eat until I was full. Right. And then right. Uh, like two hours later, guess what? I'm hungry again, <laughs> you know? Right. So yeah, it's interesting how the processed food. What, what just, was more expensive? <laughs> What's more expensive buying a lot of cheap, <laughs> a lot of cheap food or being healthy and eating expensive grass fed, whatever, you know, meat. Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. You know, it was very similar. Like I would say maybe slightly cheaper with the processed food, but because of the large quantities I was yeah. eating, because here's the thing. If, if, if people ate processed food in a caloric, you know, in, in a responsible way, you know, where they're not eating a ton of calories, if they could control themselves, it probably wouldn't be that bad. But dude, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, when you're eating cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, peanut butter and honey sandwiches for lunch, and then pasta for dinner, you're not just gonna be like, Oh, I'm, I'm full after a few bites of that. Like, you get hungry really quickly. It doesn't right. really satiate you for a long period of time. And so, yeah, the grocery bill was slightly cheaper, um, but not, not by a ton. Yeah. That's interesting. And did you do a lot of snacking too, I imagine throughout the day? Anytime I wanted to, that was the, yeah. that was the thing. It's like, Oh yeah, I figured out I had this here. Oh, let me have that. And you know, board yeah. snacking. Um, how, did it, how did it affect you? You know, I, what were you doing? Were you still training at the time? What were you doing at the time? I imagine it affected your motivation to do other things. Yeah. And I actually, a lot of people don't know this, but I had a full-time job in the medical field during the process. Um, I was a part-time personal trainer. Um, so yeah. So for me, uh, yeah, I, I would have to work in the hospital sometimes and hospitals are full of junk food, to be honest with you. Like yeah. there's no healthy food. The doctors, the nurses, like it's sad that, it, you know, yeah. that is sad. I, you know, they'll tell you to go have like insure. And I remember my dad bought insure and I look at the label, I go, wow. I go, I can't even <laughs> be giving this to you. Yeah. Hospital. It's bad. It's bad. The food there is really bad. Um, and that's the thing is like, this is a place of healing, but right. America really hasn't really uh, grasped that it starts with food or health starts with food. We're all about medicine and prescriptions and putting a bandaid on these issues instead of like, all right, where do these issues stem from? Oh, diet, exercise, lifestyle. No one wants to change that though. So we've adopted this culture is like, no one wants to change that. So let's just give them all these pills, have them live longer, have them get, you know, into the system where they have to pay, you know, huge medical bills and, um, and then they'll be dependent on that for the rest of their life. Don't, don't change your eating though. Don't change your lifestyle. Just keep doing that. You know, right. that's the culture I think that we've adopted, unfortunately. And then you see with the pandemic that we had, you kind of see the effects of that in, in a sense, whereas yeah. like, Hey, if you don't take care of your health, you can wear a mask all day, but if you're not taking care of your health, you're, you're, 
that's, I think that hasn't really clicked for some people yet. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think it's going to take time to get to the point. I mean, I think podcasts, you know, like yours and mine and, and, you know, books and shows like that you've done, I think it can show people that they probably shouldn't listen to a lot of the government guidelines as to what they should be eating. And they should perhaps maybe do some of their own research or, you know, uh, cause right now there's not, there's, we're not lacking information out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plenty of information. And it's just about finding the right sources and then, you know, having a coach perhaps. Do you, yeah. do you still coach people? Uh, not one-on-one. Uh, most of my programs and my brand is to, you know, kind of impact the masses. And mm. that's the kind of trade-off that, ha- that ha- you have to choose, you know, which path you're going to go down as a trainer or, you know, in this industry, do you want to do one-on-one, which is great. And that's probably where you'll make the most impact for that one individual. Right. But you're limited to how many people you can fit in in a day. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so most of my stuff is, is available online for, for the masses. How many times have you gone and done this? I was curious. Yeah. So I'm currently on my second time. <laughs> this is, I'm 40. Oh. I did it back in the day when I was 31. Oh, I thought you've done it. Okay. So this is the second time you've done it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No people on my TV show, we, I was the creator of the show. And so um, we had trainers come on and I didn't do it with them. They did it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not easy. That's the thing. It's like, right. <laughs> I didn't think I would ever do it again after that first time. I was like, never again. I told people right. never again. And then here I am 10 years later, almost 40 years old. Okay. Maybe I think, I think I can do it better this time, more impactful, more educational with a different message to really make an impact. And was it more difficult it's to set? Was it more difficult, easier? I mean, obviously as you get older, probably yeah. I would imagine it's more difficult to get back into shape. Yeah. So I'm currently three days into the journey back to fit. So I gained 62 pounds of fat in four months, went from 8.4% body fat to 26.2% body fat. Um, wow. It's so interesting. Is it harder? I'm such a different person than who I was 10 years ago. And back then I was married, two kids, this time around uh, divorced. Uh, my kids are older, nine and 11 now. Mm-hmm. It was different in different ways. It was harder than I thought it was going to be. I went into it a little bit cocky, like, oh, I've done this before. I got this. Like, I know what to expect. Uh, but that's not, that's not really how it was. I was super humble this time around with how hard it was, especially emotionally. Um, unfortunately went through a breakup with my girlfriend during the the whole process, which sucks. And that's, that was, that made it even harder, you know, right. on top of the emotions and the physical changes that were happening that, that made it, I think even way harder than I was expecting it to be. But, um, yeah, so many lessons learned though. So I don't have any regrets, uh, so far. Yeah. And, and now you're getting back into, into, uh, you know, a fit mode. What, what is your goal? Like you put on, you said 62 pounds. So, yeah. um, you're at what 20, it's interesting. I just did a DEXA scan at the end of the year <laughs> and, uh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I was like nine point, I think I was like 9.2. Wow. Yeah. I was, I've had that's my, good on the DEXA. DEXA is hard to get under 10. Like it's really, cause people think, Oh, I didn't even know, you know what I'm saying. That. Yeah. DEXA is, DEXA is usually higher than other methods. Oh, all right. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so what is your plan to get into fit going to be the same as it was back then? Or are you going to go about it differently? Oh, totally different. I mean, over the past 10 years, I've totally, you know, upgraded and evolved with my thinking and what works for me. Right. So yeah, I've taken all the things I've learned over the past 10 years and implementing them from, you know, biohacking to different diet strategies, different workout protocols, 
uh, different tools on the mental and emotional side, even. Mm. So that's why I built into this program, meditation, positive affirmations, gratitude lists, making your bed, cold showers, mm. um, uh, those types of things on top of, you know, eating healthy food, of course, which, you know, as part of the, <laughs> the process and then exercising, that's part of the process too. But, sure. um, so yeah, so it, it's, it's different. My approach this time around. Are you going to do any type of, um, uh, time restricted eating, like intermittent fasting or something like that? Yeah. So, so there's different, there's four months on the journey back to fit the first month. Uh, I'm not going to do intermittent fasting just yet. Um, month three will be an intermittent fasting month. Um, I figured I'd ease my way into it eventually because mm. I went from eating, you know, mm. set almost 7,000 calories a day from the minute I woke up to the time I went to bed to just jump into intermittent fasting on top of the other lifestyle changes I'm making could be pretty hard for some people. And I'm not saying like it, it wouldn't work. It definitely would, but um, right. yeah. So three meals a day is what I'm doing right now. I'll eventually I'll get into intermittent fasting, which that's my default when I get back to fit and I'm kind of maintaining, you know, that's yeah. kind of my default. What is, what is a typical day for you deep when you're in your default as far as eating and when you fast and work out and things like that? I'm curious. Yeah. So in, you know, in the morning, no, no food other than sometimes I'll add some MCT oil powder to my coffee, mm-hmm. you know, which technically that'll break the fast for sure. sure. Um, and, uh, and then I'll, I usually drink, um, some exogenous ketones before my workout. Um, you know, my workouts were a mix of lifting heavy. Sometimes like last year I trained for a hundred miler, um, which sucks, but I did it and I'll probably never do that again. <laughs> so, you know, mixture of, of different, like sometimes CrossFit, I'll jump into CrossFit every now and then. Um, and then, uh, lunch was my first meal and then dinner, not a lot of, um, snacking in between to be honest with you. But for me, that's the thing is like, if I did snack, it wasn't that big of a deal because I wasn't too strict with my diet. I could get away with stuff because I was, you know, maintaining and had a lot of muscle mass and was very active. So if I did have a snack every one, once in a while, it would be probably because I really was hungry, not just because I'm feeling snacky. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we're both 40, so we have, we have that, <laughs> the big four, all we have that in common, but, um, what, t- so, so workouts, you, you mixed it up and you normally work out morning, afternoon or uh, morning time, morning just time. morning time is just cause with kids, it's getting out of the way. First thing in the morning is just so much easier. easier. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big morning ritual guy. And I know you mentioned that that's something you implemented this time around into your, 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 I guess your, your back to fit. Um, what, uh, what's your morning ritual? When, what do you advise? Um, so what is it currently right now? Yeah. Yeah. So right now I did actually just posted this the other day on, on social media because I wanted to start over with the new morning routine. So 5 a.m. Is, is my wake up time right now. We'll see because I don't have my girls right now. So we'll see if that changes like when I do have them, because, you know, there's so many different variables when you have kids like right. they don't always go to bed when they're supposed to sometimes or they have a nightmare sometimes or they need things. And, you know, there's all kinds of different things. You have to be flexible. But 5 a.m. wake up time. Okay. I'll meditate and use a, a red light therapy, uh, Juve. They, I have one of their devices. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll meditate while that's, you know, shining on me. And then from there, uh, I'll right now I'm going for like a 30 to 40 minute walk mm-hmm. with my dog, even though it's freezing cold here in Utah, getting that <laughs> out of the way is great. And then I'll come back, make myself coffee. Um, you know, take my, my BHBs, um, you know, do some journaling, 
um, gratitude list, uh, a meditation or sorry, not meditation, positive affirmations. Mm. Uh, oh, and by the way, when I wake up, I make my bed first thing. That's oh. another like mental discipline thing. Yeah. Yep. And then I'll get my workout in and my workouts. That's the thing is like, people are like, Oh, you're probably gonna work out five times a day, you know, get back right. to fit. Like I was like, no, you guys, I'm working out five days a week, 20 to 45 minutes are my workouts. That's it. Right. You know, and that's all I'm doing for structured workouts other than walking, but that's more for therapy for me. Um, and then, uh, get back from the gym and have my, have my breakfast and take a cold shower. Love it. Love the cold therapy. It's something I've really gotten into over the last few years, cold plunging and cold showers. It's just a great way to start the day. And I actually don't mind ending it that way too. It's a relaxation um, sort of a relaxation, uh, device for me at the end of the day. Do you, so you do, so you have a sauna, you do red light therapy or like red light ther- I don't have a sauna. I don't have infrared yeah. sauna. I just have the red light therapy, which is like a, it's like a five standing. foot tall device and you could pin it to the wall and mount it. Or I kind of just, I just kind of, uh, mount it up against the wall and just, yeah, it, it would probably look weird if someone walked in, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> meditating, looking at a red light, like, right. you know, so, um, and so my question too is what about like, um, what you're eating? Um, sure. you know, I know obviously you have that your book complete keto, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, what, what's a, what's a typical meal for you? I mean, I'm pretty low carb as well. You know, occasionally I'll add uh-huh. them in here and there. How does it look? Yeah. Right now is, um, uh, I'm doing more of a Mediterranean style keto. So okay. not a lot of bacon and steak, you know, like uh, not a lot of red meat and not a lot of dairy. So for example, for breakfast is these egg puffs. They're Greek egg puffs with like turkey and uh, olives in them and feta cheese. And then for lunch, I'll have, I have a, a ceviche salad with shrimp made with shrimp and avocados and cucumbers and onions and tomatoes. Uh, it's delicious. And then dinner right now is my chicken chow mein recipe. And it's got like zoodles, turkey sausage, chicken thighs. Uh, you make it in a, in a wok with like some sesame oil and, um, what else is in ground ginger and some wow. other spices and herbs. And it, it's, it's, everyone loves it. Even if they're not keto, this is like one of my most popular dishes because people have it even when they're not keto and they're like, dude, I need this recipe. It's amazing. So <laughs> it's, it's that good. <laughs> is that in the book? Is that recipe in the book? Yeah, it's in, it's in my book, complete keto. What's the name of uh, the, the dish? Chicken chow mein. Chicken chow mein. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Keto. Ch- Actually, just put us to, to my Instagram today. So you can oh. go look at the recipe and the, the macros on that. Okay. Yeah. I will. Um, I, know, I know you talk about like um, food addictions and withdrawal symptoms. What, what type of withdrawal symptoms did you have? Um, you know, as far as when you were going through this whole process? Yeah. So, so like I said, I'm only three days in (laughs) yesterday was really hard. Uh, I went to the grocery store to buy like paper towels and like, uh, trash bags and things for the house. And, and I was starving and I, I drove past like a fast food place. I think it was McDonald's. I'm like, man, it like before it it was so almost convenient. It was so convenient just to drive through that drive-thru and pick up the food and like stuff your face and feel good. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I can't do that now. Or when I was at the grocery store picking up those foods, or picking up those supplies, I like walk past some stuff where I'm like, oh, you know what? I can buy this, this peanut butter M&Ms right now. And you know, the, the family size, you know, and eat the whole thing because I could eat whatever I wanted to. And now I'm like, okay, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Or when I was meal prepping, I went to the store to buy all the ingredients. I'm like, okay, I got to find this ingredient and the produce section. And this is all the way over there versus when you're not really following a plan. It's like, 
oh, those donuts look good. Or, oh man, that pumpkin bread looks awesome. Or, hey, I've never tried this cereal. Let me try this. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like you just pick all the yeah. stuff that you looks good to you. There's no planning or prepping. So I understand and can empathize with people that struggle because the way our society is set up, it's so convenient just to gravitate towards the unhealthy foods. Does that make sense? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, you know, the way they set up these grocery stores, right? It's so convenient just to grab everything you need and all probably the hyper palatable foods are just staring right at you. And I think, like you said, maybe when you're someone who's fit for your whole life and you drive past these drive throughs you don't even recognize them. But now, like you said, you went through this process where now you probably notice them all the time. Um, yeah. And it's just that t- temptation to just keep going. Um, yeah. What is going to be your big key to getting back to fit? Um, obviously, I'm assuming not buying these things, but um, <laughs> I always say if, if you don't buy them, you won't eat them. Yeah. But um, what do you think is going to be the, the toughest thing to, to sort of get you through this second time around this journey? Yeah, honestly, it's just I think it's just the mental discipline of it all. Like I've trained my brain for the past four months to be undisciplined and to the point where I'm like, right oh, dude, I don't want to shower today, or I don't want to work today, or I don't want to, you know, I don't have to do hard things. And so I've trained my brain to just live a life of comfort. And the hard part for me even is to now train my brain to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. So Mm. when I'm hungry, before I'd be like, oh, I'm hungry, I need food. Now it's like, okay, well, I'm trying to stay strict. So I'm going to wait till dinner time instead of snack on some, some junk food like I normally would. Or even taking a cold shower. I'm like, oh man, this is so hard because my brain is like used to uh, taking warm showers, which feels good, right? It feels comfortable. Or making my bed. I'm like, oh, I have to do these little things. And so it's retraining my brain in a sense, even for myself, but for other people that have lived this way for decades, mm-hmm. it's going to be even harder for them because people get burned out eventually. And some people just don't have that mental discipline to stay consistent. But if they realize that if they stay consistent, it becomes easier. Right. The diet, the exercise, the making your bed, the taking the cold showers, like those things become easier eventually. But it's that first you know, month or so that it's your body's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? You're not even seeing any results. Like why even live this way? Go back to eating, eating whatever you want to and living however you want to, like instead of this life of discipline, because there's that inner voice inside all of us that sometimes wants that life of comfort because it's available and we know it's available and it's just it's we have to have that motivation you have to have a really strong why about all right why do i want to live this way right am i doing it because it sucks am i doing it because i hope i get ripped one day and then people will like me (laughs) or am i doing it for my health for to set an example for my kids to feel better to not have to be on medication and go to the hospital all the time and get sick all the time. Why are you doing it? So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were the public perception of you? Um, and did you get any responses from people or when you're out and about, like when you were overweight and stuff that made you maybe not feel good? You mean like haters pretty much? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like <laughs> or I, people not liking the journey. Yeah. Maybe people that don't even know who you are per se, but yeah, but they see you and you maybe get treated differently because you're a certain type or you're overweight. Oh, so when I was overweight, yeah, no, no one treated me unfairly or mean. That's the thing is like, and 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 people said this to me, like, okay, you're 60 pounds overweight, but you look like a normal Mm. human. You look like a normal American dad now. Right. Right. (laughs) Like you don't look obese. And so no one really treated me differently to Mm. be totally honest with you. I think women 
have it harder though. I think women are judged by society even harsher. Mm-hmm. And so they're judged, uh, you know, a lot harsher based on their bodies. So I think mm-hmm. they might get treated differently being overweight, but you know, for me, no one was really mean to me or said anything to me, uh, you know, being, being the overweight guy. That's good. I mean, I think also too, just the way the age that we're in, uh, as far as just like social media with Instagram, everyone looks, you know, the perfect body and thing like things like that. Um, so this time around getting in the shape, what would you say, um, what would you say, you, you know, you said you learned stuff through the last 10 years that you're going to apply. What were some of the things that you learned and how are you going to apply them? Uh, that's a good question. So ever since my first journey of fit to bed to fit, you know, the biggest lessons I learned was how much of transformation is mental and emotional. And so as someone in the fitness industry, and, and which fo- is an industry that focuses a lot on diet, exercise, like the, the new supplement, the new workout program, the new this or that, like, right. yes, that is part of, the, of, of uh, that's part of the puzzle that people have to do to transform their body. Right. I'm more focused on the mental and emotional transformation first, because I feel like if people can transform from within and shift their perception of what success looks like in this industry, then the physical stuff becomes easier, right? Mm-hmm. Over time, if you can do that. But the problem is that you kind of have to dig deep to figure out what your demons are. What are your things that are holding you back from living a healthy lifestyle? Is it self-worth? Is it self-sabotage? Is it maybe childhood trauma that you haven't really released yet? And you tend, because what happens is for most people, we gravitate towards food uh, or other substances to distract us from dealing with those emotional, that emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people gravitate towards food because it's legal. It's easy to buy. It's cheap. It tastes really good. And that becomes their vice. Other people might gravitate towards alcohol or drugs or porn or sex or movies, TV shows, social media we live in a world of these distractions and we program our brain from a very young age, instead of dealing with the emotional stuff, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. We just distract ourselves and numb ourselves with these substances over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Whenever we feel that that stress come up or those triggers come up emotionally to where we never deal with that. And then when we go and try and, all right, I'm going to cut, I'm never eating sugar again. I'm going to work out every single day. We haven't really, <laughs> we haven't really dealt with the stuff on the inside because what's going to happen is we're going to have to use our willpower every single time to try and live a healthy lifestyle. And eventually you're going to get burnt out unless you're, you know, um, you know, Jocko Willink or uh, David Goggins or something like that, <laughs> you know, yeah. those are like the one percenters of the world. But most people after a few times that they're like, this is too hard. And so for me, I like to help and uh, you know, help people through those mental and emotional issues and then shifting their perception and get people to focus on the process because they're worth it because they love themselves enough to treat their bodies kindly instead of hating yourself to skinny or hating yourself to get ripped or shredded. And I think that's the problem that people have is like, I hate the way I look. I want to look like that. So I'm going to beat myself up until I look that way. And once I look that way, then all my problems will go away. And that's a big myth. Just like people chasing after money. Once I have this much money, then all my problems will go away. And it's a very similar thing where if you haven't learned how to be fulfilled and happy with where you're at now, even if you get the body, there might be a temporary sense of happiness or fulfillment, but I promise you it's not going to last. And so you have to eventually do the work, which is really hard work to let go of that, uh, those emotional challenges, whatever they are for you to learn how to be happy and fulfilled now, even though your body's not perfect, your life isn't perfect. You don't have the money you want, because if you can do that now, then along the journey of trying to get those things, you're not beating yourself up or 
you know, saying you're a failure because you didn't get those things because um, you're fulfilled with where you're at now and you're just continuing to work on a better version of yourself. And so it's a shift in perception mm. that I try and teach people how to do through my programs. And it takes some time for sure. But I think once people, once it clicks for them, then they're like, oh, I get to exercise or I get to eat real food because it makes me feel good and I feel better. I feel healthier when I eat these foods. And when I exercise, it feels good to my body to do hard things. And, um, and I'm just going to keep living this lifestyle because it feels good, not in hopes that I'll get these results, which will then change my life. No, I love that. And it's something that probably doesn't get talked enough about, right? We always talk about, oh, what should you eat? When should you eat? And I, you know, I, I'm victim of that too, right? Like you just talk about those things because it's sort of easy and it's maybe even a little, you know, it's like surface level things, yeah. but, but really it comes down to is you sort of, you have to address the emotional and, you know, sort of the mental side of being in the right place in order to, to get where you want to go. If you don't get into that place, or at least have, like you mentioned, like a, a true real reason why you're doing this, what's driving you, then all that other stuff doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, very true. Um, wow, well, that's good stuff. And um, what would you say um, the key to staying consistent? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know what I th- would think is I'm curious mm-hmm. what your answer to this, that, uh, because obviously, you know, like you talked about getting the emo- the emotional mental side down is, is good, but sometimes I'm sure that can sort of fade and people, you know, go through these highs and lows, but, you know, cause I, for me, just being someone, in sh- someone that's been in shape for a long time, consistency is like the number one thing, like it yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be this three hour workout, but yeah. as long as you can stay consistent, what would you say to someone that trying to stay? Yeah. Consistent? Well, that's, this is the interesting thing that I've learned over the years is you look at different people and certain things in life are a priority, you know, and they can be can, like, they can make that lifestyle consistent for them because they've kind of chosen that path. And for you and I, it's fitness. Like I'm always going to be consistent at eating healthy and working out, staying in shape. I think for me, it, it, I've made it a priority for so long. I don't even have to really think or put a ton of effort into it because I've been doing it for so long. And then there's people that are entrepreneurs and, and you know, whatever industry they're in, they have these routines where they're consistent at doing these things to make a lot of money. And their focus is on finance. They don't really don't, they really don't take care of their health, right. but they're focused on finance and, and they're successful at that. And then there's people that in religion that are like, Hey, that is my priority. I'm super consistent in that where other people are like, ah, I want to go to church. I want to pray, but it just, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. <laughs> so we're also different. We're all wired different. And I see a lot of people try and make that jump into the fitness industry. Like I'm going to be consistent at this. Right. I think it has to do with their perception of what success looks like. Cause they I think a lot of people jump in thinking I'm going to be consistent with this to get this body. Right. And if you're, if that's your focus, yeah, some people can do that. Some people can make that shift. And then before you know it, fitness becomes their lifestyle. Right. But I think for other people to stay consistent, you have to retrain your brain to say this, this for me right now, moving forward will become a priority. Yeah. Like if my kid, you know, needed to be picked up from school like this minute and I'm in a business meeting, guess what? My priority is to leave that meeting, go pick up my kid. Right. Because for like whatever it takes to go take care of my, my daughters. And it's similar with fitness. Like, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym today. I will work around your schedule or I will, go on a date with you later, or I will uh, clean up this later, or I will do this later because I have to get this done first. And so, you know, I wish it was a simple thing like, Oh, just be consistent. (laughs) Like just go every day. 
it, it, it happens over time with a shift in perception. The power of perception is, is hugely, uh, uh, I would say, no one really looks into it or no one really focuses on that or no one really talks about that because they really don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, it, it, it's, a, it's an individual journey and not everyone's going to be consistent to the point where like, hey, my goal is to get ripped. Other people are consistent to be like, hey, I want to exercise and eat healthy to live a long life, longevity, right? And so consistent can look different for different people depending on what their goals are. Right, right. Um, also, my thought too was, um, I know you've mentioned it in other interviews is um, having a support system and being accountable. Um, that's why, you know, with your program, I'm sure there's some accountability um, and some people just need that. I think we all need some type of coaching, whether, whether it's in health or business or whatever it is, I'm all for finding people that you know, maybe have done things that you want to do and then just sort of follow their lead. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that hundred you know? percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, people ask me if I train a young kid who's going to college and he's like, well, how do I just keep doing this? I'm like, well, find someone else (laughs) to do it with, Mm -hmm. you know, find someone who wants to go to the gym and and maybe wants it more than you. And, and just, you know, there's nothing like having a workout partner to hold you accountable. Um, and I just think that that can run true in a lot of different things. Yeah. Accountability support system are key for anyone, even for me, like I need accountability and that's why I'm doing this journey back to fit with thousands of other people from all over the world Mm -hmm. that have signed up to join me. Because to be honest with you, like if it was just me by myself, it would be 10 times harder because you know, I don't like if, if no one's watching and I, and if I'm just by myself, like no one's watching, Oh man, I'm craving something. No one's really going to know. Right. Or, Oh, you start making excuses. But Mm-hmm. If I know, hey, there's thousands of people doing the same workout right now, and it sucks for them, and it sucks for me. Like, it, there's something that pushes you past those moments, you know? Yeah. No, that's so true. How many people signed up for your? Uh, um, back uh, I think I think over six thousand people. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, the, what you've done as far as transforming your body back in 2011, then doing it again, I give you a lot of credit. Um, It's something I think I would have a tough time doing. And the fact that you're doing that and then going, and you know, just sort of motivating other people to do it. um, It sort of spreads. I'm, I'm curious, is your, I never actually saw your show. Is your show still going on? Uh, No, we only had two seasons. It's available. If you just Google it, um, fit to fat to fit, but the the way this show is spelled is fit T O fat to fit you know mine's with the mine's with the number two with the number two and i notice on your website is is it fit to fat to 40 (laughs) oh so this journey is called fit to fat to 40 sorry yes this one's called fit to fat to 40 because i turned 40 (laughs) on december 27th and that was my last day of my my waking journey (laughs) i gotcha okay yeah and i'm curious i'm gonna follow your journey because i want to see you know just me being 40 like i was happy like i put on this past year i did a dexa scan at the beginning of the year made some changes in my life uh, with my workouts yeah. and stuff and also my protein intake. I up that with some good yeah. grass fed protein. And anyways, um, put on five pounds of muscle, lost like three pounds of fat and got my body fat percentage under 10. And I was like, Oh, you know, I, I, I sent that out, not like trying to like brag per se, but just to yeah. sort of, maybe it'll, maybe it'll, someone will look at that and be like, guy, oh, he's 40 and he did it. Um, yeah. so it's cool, <laughs> cool, cool to see that, you know, you're going to go through this transformation again. And, uh, where, where can people follow your transformation? Yeah. So all my social media handles are fit to fat to fit with the number two in between, mm-hmm. uh, or they can go to fit to fat to 40.com to follow like the, the transformation 
Um, fit to fat to fit.com is also, you know, this, it, it's the same website pretty much. So um, if they want to join me on the journey back to fit, they can sign up uh, at that website and they can also follow along the, the, my progress on social media. Yeah. The power of social media where you can, you know, yeah. <laughs> send it out. Um, and then my one last question to you is that, and I asked all my guests, um, if you were going to give, and this is sort of what we've been talking about the whole time, but if you were going to give one tip to someone who is middle-aged and wants to get their body back. And I'm sure we've hit on it, but if you were going to give one tip to that person, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say to them that you have to realize and believe that you are worth it to fight for your health. You are worth it to fight for your physical health, your mental, emotional health. And, and so that would be the first thing from there, from there. And then after that, like you said, find a coach, find an accountability partner, a support system to help you, you know, figure out the how right? You know what you want to do. That's your desire. The how people are going to help you. Google will help you. Like there's so many things out there to help you, but you have to believe that you're worth it first. And so that would, that's what I would say to them first and foremost. Once you believe that you're going to figure out the how you're going to hire a coach, you're going to hire a trainer, you're going to, you know, join a group, you're going to, you know, reach out to someone that you know is into fitness and ask for help. If you believe that you're truly worth it. And so that's kind of like the first, that's like the first step. First step. Yeah. I love that. Well, Drew, a lot of good information. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks again. And um, we'll be in touch. I'm definitely going to follow your journey. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.